Hi, you're tuning in to Rusty Thomas, where once a week he brings the brilliance of scripture to every dynamic of life. For the last 40 years, Rusty has served the Lord as a father, minister, and political figure on the streets, churches, and capitals in our nation and abroad. You are going to hear compelling truths that will prayerfully build up your faith and equip you to meet the challenges of life with the confidence of God's Word. This is Kingdom Moments with my father, Rusty Thomas. Well, howdy. Welcome, brothers and sisters, to another podcast episode. You're with Kingdom Moments with Rusty Thomas. And today I want to cover a topic that I have just been mulling over, contemplating actually for quite some time. Uh, I want to deal with the realm of thanksgiving and gratitude uh, as opposed to the unthankfulness and the ingratitude that we are seeing uh, in this generation. And uh, it's very, very interesting because, you know, through uh, obviously our sins and abominations, uh, the corruption and, uh, you know, the perversion that it has brought upon the land, apparent, you know, obviously it's taken its toll on the American psyche. And, and through higher learning and public education, I mean, we're literally raising uh, a generation of young people who are being taught uh, to hate and actually destroy uh, their nation of their birth and where they're being raised. And uh, so it's an interesting uh, dilemma that we are facing. And so, you know, when it comes to maybe what has been good about the United States of America, well, that's completely ignored, rewritten, or revised. And that which is seriously wrong and evil, we're teaching this generation to celebrate that with demonic glee and the mentality uh, of, of folks it's just so glaring um, that the, the hypocrisy the ingratitude uh, as it relates to the United States of America and and I gotta tell you I, yeah I get it I know we're in bad shape we, we, we're not um, the nation we once were uh, I, I get that. But even uh, in the wicked state that we are in, uh, most Americans are living far better than many others, you know, on this planet. And, uh, and yet we just kind of see this, um, this massive uh, unthankfulness. You know, it's it's just it's just massive, and uh, I want to kind of address that. And we're going to start biblically. In other words, there, um, there's a there is a a line. There is a a point that once a nation crosses, uh, it begins the spiral downward, and we can find that uh, in the book of Romans. And we're going to look at Romans uh, chapter 1, and we're going to look at verses uh, 18 uh, through 21. 
Hear the word of the Lord. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Now watch this. Who suppress the truth in unrighteousness? Now this is critically important, brothers and sisters, because it's not that folks are ignorant of the truth or don't have contact with the truth. They have contact with it, but instead of heeding it, and instead of believing it, that would lead to their freedom, they're merely taking God's truth and they are suppressing it. Well, why? Well, men naturally hate God and we love our sin more than we love God. And that is just the condition of the fall. And God's word goes on to say, because what may be known of God, listen, is manifest in them. Uh, you know, this, this is critically important on, on so many levels. Uh, you know, there is general revelation. There is natural revelation. Like creation itself reveals the power and the glory of the God of the Bible. And so creation itself speaks to the souls of men. The Bible tells us that God has written his law upon men. And that's why the Apostle Paul could say the Gentiles who was not given, you know, uh, the Ten Commandments on tablets of stone do by nature keep the law. Why? Because it's written on their heart. And, and we also know that God has provided for us and for all mankind a conscience that accuses and excuses our behavior. And because of all this, the scripture says, uh, not only has he manifested this inside of us, but for God has shown it to them. So he has shown it. He has manifested his truth inside of man. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being un understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power in Godhead, so that they are without excuse. There is no man that's going to stand before God and as the atheists, you know, try to proclaim like, well, you know, if it's so evident, if he is the truth and he really exists, why did he make it so hard? I'm sorry, that's not going to fly when you stand before God. He's manifest this inside of you. Creation itself testifies it. You have a conscience. He's written his law on your heart and you, my friend, are without excuse and here it is verse 21 because although they knew god see you got to understand it, people are not going to perish in sin and go to hell because of the god they don't know they're going there based upon the knowledge of the god they do know and i'm talking about the true and living god and it says because although they knew god they did not glorify him as God. Now watch this. Nor were thankful. Interesting. Are you serious? In this massive theological and doctrinal truth 
when it comes to men and nations who know the truth, it's in them, creation, creation uh, reinforces that truth, uh, and they're without excuse. And one of the major problems with this is that men and nations are not thankful. They don't have a heart of gratitude to the God of the Bible who has given them eyes to see, ears to hear, a nose to smell, a mouth to taste, who, who provides for us, you know, warmth and, and rain and, and seasons and, and crops and, you know, so much of the bounty of his creation that he bestows upon his creatures. And yet, because of sin, because of our fallen nature, we grow up hard-hearted, we grow up cynical, we grow up skeptical, uh, and ever learning, ever learning, but never coming to the knowledge of the truth. And even though we know the truth, we continue to suppress it in unrighteousness. So there's, there's no thanksgiving. And it's interesting, on the heels of that, it says, but became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. So look, look, look at this generation that we are raising. Do you see any thankfulness? Do you see any gratitude? Um, or do we see this entitled entitlement generation by virtue of being an American, you know, I need to put forth as little effort as possible and get maximum results for my little effort. And I'm going to tell you, we, we see this. This is so evident in so many ways. You know, uh, recently I had watched um, an interview, I guess that actually cost Don Lemon from CNN, his position. He he had one of the Republican candidates that is running for president. Uh, I'm probably going to butcher his name, and I'm sorry, but it's Vivek Ram Aswami. That's how it's pronounced. But they're having this dialogue, and it gets really intense, really heated. Now, this guy Vivek, he's a he's a he's a brown man. He's not all the way a black man. He doesn't have the full credentials, but he's a he's a minority. He's a brown man. And he is discussing the importance of the Second Amendment, especially as it related to our black brothers and sisters after the Civil War. Yes, after the Civil War, they were free. Well, how did they keep their freedoms? How did they maintain their freedoms? And this is where Vivek says, you know, the Second Amendment is so critically important because blacks could then own guns to protect their person, their family, uh, their churches, and their freedom. Well, Don Lemon, he took great umbrage. I mean, he was literally losing it and condemning Vivek, basically saying, hey, once you turn black, you know, and you have full credentials, 
then you can tell me about this nation. And, and, and of course, you know, uh, he, he's the whole, part of the whole woke thing, the critical race theory deal. You know, he's been indoctrinated to that and he absolutely hates the Second Amendment. And so he is he, he is going at them. He, he invited them on his show. And I got to tell you, it, it was it was heated. Uh, Vivek did not uh, uh, back down or stand down. He, he gave he gave that he gave him no quarter. Uh, and he stood his ground powerfully. But I got to tell you, here, here's, here's Don Lemon, a black man, a homosexual black man, right? Condemning our nation, you know. Uh, and by the way, when the racism uh, card didn't work against Vivek, because he's a minority, um, the next label was insurrectionist. In other words, if you believe in the Second Amendment, you're now an insurrectionist. Okay, and just throwing labels, stereotypes, right, to keep the narrative going. But my point is this. Here is a black man who's a homosexual who has freedom in this nation to practice something that should be against the law. That should be penalized by law and any sane nation like over in Africa um, has implemented that. But in America, he gets a pass. And here he is, a black man sitting as an anchor, as a journalist making gazillions of dollars and condemning the nation that gave him this opportunity. And that is a marvel. To behold, I mean, seriously, we need to connect some dots, people. And again, is America a perfect nation? We never have been. All right. I get it. I understand that. All right. But the point being, what other nation would have given that kind of opportunity for Don Lemon to take his skill, to take his education to take his training and prosper in the way that he has and then take all that, receive all that, and just spit in the face of the nation that has provided that opportunity. This is a marvel to behold, brothers and sisters. It really, really is. And, and of course, he's he's not the only one. I mean, Remember with the whole George Floyd deal and the NBA, right? And, and the NFL, all the sports teams, they're kneeling at the national anthem or they're coming up with an alternative national anthem so we could be politically correct, okay? And I, and I understand there was some controversy or, uh, 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 you know, concerning George Floyd, um, but the point of the matter is there was one young black NBA player, uh, whose name is Jonathan Isaac. Now, if you remember during that whole controversy, he was one of the few NBA players that refused to kneel and he stood. Well, of course, you know, he, he had violated 
the political correctness that was going down during this time. And, you know, and he, he, he shares, you know, he actually wrote a book, Why, Why I Stand. And again, it was not even really to show, I would say, like American patriotism, because he viewed it as I am standing for my Lord. I am standing for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and, and when he, he stood, he, he was, you know, he was seeking God, you know, purify my motives. I don't, I want this to be about you. I don't want this to be about Jonathan Isaac, right? And so he stands and yeah, he got a lot of blowback, a lot of hatred, you know, but it created such a powerful platform to minister the gospel of the kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But the point being is this. Here's these NBA players, like men like LeBron James, right? This guy is a billionaire, a billionaire. And what specialty skill does he have? He takes a ball, he jumps in the air, and puts it in a basket. Wow, wow. And he becomes a billionaire. All those NBA players that knelt, okay, uh, every single one of them have huge NBA contracts. They make millions and millions of dollars, okay? And when it comes uh, to our nation, uh, when it comes to the national anthem, and I'm not talking about sing it in the sense of some kind of idolatry deal. Okay, I get it. Uh, but the point being, here's this nation that has afforded these people a prosperity that if they did not have this basketball skill, um, you know, they wouldn't have reached the heights of success that they're experiencing. And again, yeah, you can go to other nations and, and there's European ball and all that kind of stuff. But are you going to reach the same heights of success? Are you going to reach the same uh, height of prosperity? No. And what do they do with that blessing? What, what do they do with that opportunity? They condemn and criticize the nation that has provided this for them. And I got to tell you, there is something seriously amiss. And again, it just points out this incredible unthankfulness and ingratitude of this generation. You know, you got the uh, the lesbian, what's her name, Megan Rapinoe. Oh, my goodness. You, you know, it's really bad, right? When Americans are rooting for the USA soccer team to lose, like they were so grateful that she missed that penalty point, all right? Now, why? Why would Americans boo and stand against their own team and want them to lose? Well, Megan Rapinoe hates America, hates what it stands for, right? She's, again, she's part of the woke deal, the LBGDQ plus whatever, Right. It's so interesting about this lady. 
the whole time when she was playing, oh no, we shouldn't have men playing women's sports. But now that she's retired, oh yeah, yeah. Men pretending that women should play soccer. Well, that's convenient. You're not playing anymore. In fact, when you went up against some boys, like 13 to 15 year old boys, they beat the US soccer team, the ladies soccer team, right? She knows firsthand, you know, what's gonna happen to women's soccer once men pretending to be women play there. But she's all for it now. Well, isn't that convenient? Well, there's a guy named Jason Whitlock, and he had a few things to say about this uh, anti-Christ, anti-American lady uh, leading our U.S. soccer women's team. He said this. He said, imagine spending billions of dollars and 50 years to create an unbeatable women's soccer team and the players on that team using their government paid for platforms to demonize their investors. That's the women's national soccer team. That's Megan Rapinoe. He goes on to say, we poured everything we had into their success. He says, we actually diminished opportunities for boys and men for their success. And, and by the way, we're, we're sort of seeing the same kind of things when it comes to uh, women's basketball, right? Um, I don't want to go down that road, but it's the same kind of thing that is happening. And he says, how do they repay us? They repay us with ingratitude. And, and brothers and sisters, we, we have to understand that the cultural Marxism that has produced, you know, the wokeism, the critical race theory, you know, the homosexual agenda, the transgender movement. The, these, are all, these are all useful idiots that Marxism uses to destabilize a nation and prepare that nation for conquest. And again, we're, we're, we're seeing that uh, through that, we're raising a generation that no longer sees uh, the battle as a, a battle between good and evil, but it's about casting people groups uh, into certain categories. So it's no longer good or evil. Is Are you born a certain way? Do you have a certain skin color? Well, then that automatically makes you an oppressor. And if you have more pigmentation in your skin color, and if you're a minority, that automatically makes you the oppressed. And so this is, an, an, again, one of the major uh, battles and struggles uh, against Christianity in our nation. Because if you're a white Christian, particularly heterosexual male, you are the ultimate oppressor of mankind. Everybody gets to hate you, buddy, simply because that's the way God made you. And so they're literally changing the entire narrative and, and they just keep beating this drum. And uh, we, we have to understand brothers and sisters, 
what is at stake here? You know, what bodes for us in the future uh, if we don't begin to deal with this in an honest and forthright way? And, and just as a parent, I can't stress enough how important it is that you raise and train your children to have a thankful heart, to be grateful for what they have, whether it's little or whether it is great. But I got to tell you, you know, what started the ball rolling on nations spiraling down out of control, they weren't thankful. And, and then what we see, futile thoughts, darkened hearts, right? The Don Lemons of this world, the NBA players, Megan Rapinoe and so many others, futile thoughts, darkened hearts, right? That's, that's the manifestation. And uh, what's interesting, I thought this was actually quite uh, humorous. Uh, those of you who know uh, Candace Owens, uh, she recently did uh, a brief video for PragerU, and the title is very controversial. Uh, it actually says, White People Ended Slavery. Could you imagine? This is a young black woman doing a video that would dare to title it White People Ended Slavery. Well, she you know, basically dropped a nuclear bomb in the, to the whole woke crowd, and they went absolutely berserk. Um, but in five minutes, she does uh, an incredible job of, you know, going through the history of slavery, which has been with mankind since time memorial. And she just showed factual history you know, white people enslaved, white people, black people enslaved, black people, white people enslaved, black people, black people enslaved, white people. Uh, it, it was slavery. It didn't make a difference what race or pigmentation of the skin. Uh, all nations, all ethnicities, all nations practice some form of slavery throughout history. That's just reality. That's just the truth. OK, and then she starts going through history, you know, starting with uh, William Wilberforce, a Christian white guy in Britain. And what does he do? He fights to abolish slavery in Britain and he's successful. Uh, he eventually overthrows that wicked trade and he sets the slaves free. Um, now, America we were confronted, really, it was a 70-year period where we became aware uh, and was participating in slavery until we finally ended it through the Civil War. And again, Candace Owen is showing that it's Christian, white, predominantly abolitionists uh, that, you know, fought uh, either, you know, morally, spiritually, or literally in the Civil War. I mean, the majority of people who died to end slavery in the United States were white people. And again, I, you know, I, I know she's trying to be a little humorous there and, 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 and 
you know, kind of tweak the woke crowd. Um, but that is the reality of history. And, and brothers and sisters, listen, I know America's not perfect. I get it. We've had our issues in times past. We're a mixed people, just like all nations, okay? <clears throat> but I got to tell you, it, in, in the history of the world, for a lot of our history, we were a force of good uh, in, the, in the world. I mean, more humanitarian aid has come from this nation to help the other nations of the earth. More missionaries were sent from this nation to, you know, the, the nations of the earth. When, when weaker nations were being tyrannized, we poured in our time, our talent, our treasure, and gave our life's blood to liberate them. Um, you know, we're, we're founded on a certain truths that radically changed uh, how government and men relate to each other. I mean, when it talks about, you know, people rule by the consent of the governed, that's a radical idea that shattered tyranny and oppression uh, in the world, right? So there, there was a lot of good, you know, that the Lord blessed us with in this nation. Now, have we committed national sins and abominations? You betcha, you, betcha. you know, slavery being one and, you know, Jim Crow and, and uh, you know, how we treated the Indians and, and some of the atrocities that happened. And I'm not going to sugarcoat that. I'm not going to whitewash it. It's a part of our nation's history. We interned the Japanese uh, during World War II. Um, there's a lot of things that the American government has done um, that God considers an abomination. But how many nations do you know, brothers and sisters, that when they came to these atrocities actually sacrificed blood, sweat, and tears to change it, to reform it, to overcome it. Our nation has been able to pull that off, and not many nations in history have. It's interesting when you study uh, Frederick Douglass, right? He, and he was the first black man that was invited to the White House with Abraham Lincoln. Um, when you read his writings, um, and he was an abolitionist. When you read his writings, he really wasn't saying, like, hate America, destroy America, leave America. No, what he was saying, America, you need to return back to God, and you need to live out the creed of our national covenant, which is the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, and the Bill of Rights. He's, he's basically saying you, you, you are betraying God and you are betraying your own creed by allowing these atrocities to continue. So what was he calling for? He was calling for repentance. He was calling for reformation. He was calling America to stop slavery and be consistent. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We see this even with Martin Luther King Jr., right? And, and I know he's a mixed bag, and I know the FBI had files on him. He committed adultery and, and all that. You know, he, he had his issues, no doubt about it. But in his famous, you know, I have a dream speech, 
Again, you don't see him saying, hate America, destroy America, leave America. What is he saying? America, look at the Declaration of Independence and see how miserably you're failing. This is, this is ungodly, unlawful discrimination that you are committing. We've got to repent. We've got to stop doing this and live up to our own covenant and creed as a people. So critically important, brothers and sisters. And by the way, we need those reformers today in light of what we are facing uh, as a people. And I just want to conclude with uh, two passages of Scripture I think will also help as we wrestle through these issues. And this first passage in Ezekiel, we normally use it uh, when we confront and try to correct um, the exceptions of abortion when it comes to rape and incest. Uh, how do we biblically respond uh, when it comes to a woman who's either been raped or uh, she is the victim of incest? And so this is what God's word says. The soul who sins shall die. The son shall not bear the guilt of the father, nor the father bear the guilt of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon himself, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon himself. So according to God's word, that child in the womb is an innocent party. The one who sinned, the one who committed the crime, was the father, and the child shall not pay for the sins of the father. No, the one you punish is the father. Now, why is this important when we're dealing with wokeism and slavery and racism? <clears throat> you know, one of, one of the things, again, the reason why white people who ended slavery, according to Candace Owen, the reason why, you know, we have been cast as the oppressor is because of what happened in the past, shadow slavery uh, in the United States of America. But, but today's generation is blaming our generation who was not there, uh, wasn't involved in the slave trade, never owned a slave, never mistreated a slave, but they're holding us responsible for what our fathers did. And God's word expressly forbids this. And of course, they're using the shakedown America so they can get reparations. Well, you know, if we're going to go down that road, uh, let me let me tell you again, you had white people enslaving white people and you had black people. In fact, people don't know the first slave owner in America was black. I want to get reparations from his family. You see how it works? It's insane. And this nation is being pummeled because we no longer obey the Lord or take heed to his gospel. Listen, you know, there's a thing called personal responsibility. 
And if people do not embrace personal responsibility, they only have one direction they can go in, and that is to play the victim card. And you see that in the United States of America. Our national policy is victimhood, right? And by the way, according to Jeremiah, that's one of the signs that you are under God's judgment. He said the sayings of, the, of a nation under judgment is the children's teeth are set on edge because the fathers ate sour grapes, okay? So dad, because you ate the sour grape, my teeth are set on edge. You're to blame, Dad. Okay, and, and you know what? And there may be some blame there. But at the end of the day, we still must come to the reality that we are personally responsible for our thoughts, our actions, and our decisions. In fact, one of the ways you will know that God is restoring our nation is when we reject victimhood and we start seeing personal responsibility gain the ascendancy in the souls of America once again. And the, the last scripture I want to conclude this teaching is in Galatians 3.28. And this is why, brothers and sisters, Christianity the gospel of the kingdom and its value in the earth is just such a blessing if only we would repent of our unbelief and come back to the Lord through the merits of his son, Jesus Christ. Because this is what the apostle Paul declares. And he's going to be dealing with three human ways that we relate to each other in this world okay so he declares there's neither Jew nor Greek that's the racial divide there is neither slave nor free that's the social status right and then there's neither male nor female that's the battle between the sexes now watch this for you are all one in Christ Jesus now you got to understand we are up against a devil and the demonic realm that influence the thoughts and the decision-making of human beings upon this earth. And I got to tell you, there are politicians, there are um, political pundits, there are talking heads that, that use these divisions, whether it's the racial divide the social class divide or the, the sexes divide and they exploit it um, in such a way that they use it so they can stay in power, gain political power and gain wealth through exploiting these differences so you and I are tearing each other up while their political agenda prospers and that's what you're seeing uh, in the United States of America and this is why the gospel this is why the love and the truth of God is so critically important because what it does brothers and sisters it takes the club out of our hands 
and beating each other up because we're, we're, you know, we're maybe not of the same race, which really that's, that's, even that is not biblical. There's one race, there's, there's the human race, right? Yeah, we got different skin colors and pigmentations, but really there's one race, the human race, and we're all made in the image of God. And, you know, I could remember, like, going into youth prisons and uh, ministering. And, uh, of course, there would be a, a lot of young black men that were incarcerated. And uh, the Lord used me to really challenge them. And I had so many come to me privately and say, Brother Rusty, I get what you're saying. I know it's true, but you got to understand, man, man, if if I become a religious goody-goody guy, you know, if I really, you know, repent and give my life to Christ and put my faith and trust in Him, you got to understand, in my community, I will be betraying my race. I'll become an Uncle Tom. And I'm like, do you hear the words coming out of your mouth? First of all, when, when did the white man become the standard of truth, of love? of justice, of mercy. The, these are all virtues and commandments and standards that's given to us by our Creator, Almighty God. And it doesn't make a difference what your race is. It doesn't make a difference whether you're a male or female. It doesn't make a difference are you a Jew or a Greek. It doesn't make a difference if you have or you don't have. The issue is, are you in Christ? Have you partaken of His salvation? Have you experienced his love? Because if you have, there's no way you can hate another people group. In fact, the Bible says, if you hate someone, you're a murderer. If you hate someone in your heart because they're a different race, let me tell you something. The Bible is very serious on this. You're a murderer and no murderer has eternal life dwelling in them. And of course, what does God want to do? He wants to bring his gospel kingdom to bear upon the souls of men. He wants to perform that spiritual surgery in a heart to take out that stony heart of rebellion and give us a heart of flesh that we would yield to him, that we would gladly, that we would desire to love and obey his commandments and keep his word and truly love. Well, how do we know what love is? Love is the fulfillment of the law. And because I love God and his law, I'm not going to mistreat people. I'm not going to have prejudice in my heart. And so, brothers and sisters, um, yeah, these are just some of the thoughts and struggles I've been seeking the Lord on. And I just found it interesting, seriously, as I went through all these scenarios. Like, what, what is the common denominator in this incredible disconnect? when it comes to reality. These woke people, no thankfulness, no gratefulness, none, zippo. So then what comes in its stead? Futile thoughts, darkened hearts, right? Exchange truth for a lie, professing themselves to be wise, they become fools, right? They worship the creature rather than the creator who's blessed forever. And then this long litany of woe. Uh, women refuse the natural use, Megan Rapinoe. And what happens as a result? Well, homosexuality breaks out like a plague. 
And by the way, homosexuality literally means the burning out of man. That means your civilization uh, is faltering. It's failing, right? Um, so brothers and sisters, again, I just wanted to call this to your attention. And specifically, as parents calling upon you, as you're training up your children in the way they should go, as you are raising them in the fear and the admonition of the Lord, believe me when I tell you, so critical that you create in them a heart of thanksgiving, that they demonstrate gratitude for what they have uh, in this life. Because if that does not take place, you know, what's, what's the consequence? Futility, darkness, you know, skepticism, cynicism, the entitlement, you know, um, use people to get what you want in life, stomp them down so you can get what you want in life, right? That's, that's not the life that our God wants us to live. So brothers and sisters, be thankful. Demonstrate gratitude uh, in Jesus' name. And so that will conclude uh, this episode. And as usual, you keep pressing on to that high calling prize. And until next time, God bless you, saints. Thank you.